3: PlushCare.com slash
0: Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs.
4: Welcome to our program. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up, Ty Dooley, General Manager, Forestry Services Limited, on obtaining certification of sustainability in forestry. Milk Price, Gerald Quayne, ICMSA National Dairy Committee Chairperson. But our top story National Dairy Day with Jack Kennedy, Deputy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal.
0: John, yes, yeah, great to be back um, on the show. Listen, we have the third Dairy Day. This is our third third year to organise this event. It's on in Punchestown on on next Tuesday, the 19th of November, and the doors open at 9 o'clock in the morning. And we have three stages that are going to run concurrently through the day. So whether you're into the stuff outside the farm gate or inside the farm gate, you'll have have plenty of material to, to chew on during the day. I mean, we have... We've a range of speakers. I mean, even if you look at kind of, I suppose, the international speakers. I think we've speakers from seven or eight different countries. Um, we early on in the in the day on the beyond the parlour session, we have a, 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 a um, an executive from from the Netherlands. Um, so I mean, effectively, they like Ireland. They've had a big changes in their in their dairy industry and. Uh, he's going to go through all that and why they have to reduce cow numbers etc and that kind of thing um, we also have a speaker from the UK in that session so again another area that for the first time in a long time the UK have increased milk production in the in the, in the last year then we have a person from China, uh, someone from South America someone from Germany and, and we have someone as from afar, as far away as New Zealand so I mean all these are huge big dairy countries and they've all had a lot of the pressures um, and growing pains I suppose that, that the Irish dairy industry has been going through for the last number of years so it would be great to hear their experience and how they've come through that
4: One of the questions which will be addressed by one of the speakers there John Yu will be whether China will continue to demand Irish infant formula
0: Yes, exactly I mean so I would from first, at first hand we'll have someone from China experience that, that uh, you know in the ch- Chinese way and how they do it and why they buy Irish product or, or uh, imported product into China because they, they, the actual Chinese love the import, in, imported product they have, they have more faith in the imported product than they have in their own produced products but it, it's surprising John with all the talk I mean at the moment it's still only about 6 or 7% of the total uh, dairy output from Ireland that we export into China you know it, it's relatively small we hear a lot of talk about it and I suppose the big part of it is that it's going to be the growth area for powders in the future. Really, that's that's where the, the as you say, the growth is going to come from. And and as you say on, on dairy, they will hear from John, you, and and why and how and. Will that continue, et cetera? So we'll have it from the horse's mouth in terms of answering those questions.
4: When we think of South America, we think of Mercosur and problems for our beef industry into the future. But on the other hand, one of the keynote speakers will be from Chile in South America, Christian Svet. He'll be talking about, believe it or not, problems which the South American farmers would have with their dairy sector.
3: Yeah,
0: there's no doubt about it. I mean... For a long time, we've been, as you say, thinking that South America would take over the world in terms of producing milk or, take, or producing more beef and, and 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 reducing the size of their of their rainforest. So, it, look at it; it is happening, and and there there are grassland farms over there uh, starting in in large in much larger scales, obviously, than what we be used to here in Ireland. But it, it will be interesting to see how how and get an update on how they are going over there, because I mean that is the talk, whether it's whether it's beef or dairy. That listen, they would flood and feed the world with with food, but it, it doesn't seem to be happening, John. You know, I mean, this, this talk has been going on a long time, and and they have their own, I suppose, local problems over there. Whether it's infrastructure getting milk into the factories, or whether it's weather and and huge rainstorms, or whether it's something like export taxes in Argentina, where where they where the where the product can't leave the country. You know, so it, look, it, it, it'll it'll be great to hear from Christian and, and get the kind of South American experience in terms of what's happening over there. Like, yeah.
4: Now, we talk sometimes older farmers, sometimes the industry gives lip service to getting young blood, getting new, younger people into farming, into the dairy sector. But I understand one of the key note, one of the main sectors, one of the three big sectors will be the skill hubs stage. And that will be about pointing out to people wanting to get into the sector what the necessary skills would be to be a dairy farmer today. So, for younger farmers, indeed, for anyone really, but particularly yeah. younger farmers wanting to find out how exactly would you equip yourself to be a successful dairy farmer, the skill hubs stage would have a particular attraction for younger people. I would imagine younger people. Yeah,
0: you're dead right, John. I mean, I mean, if, if you're hands-on and, and are, are learning the skills of the of the trade at the moment, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity because every year in Punchestown we have the space to do that kind of a live demonstration. You know, we're not restricted being in, in a conference or in a hotel room, etc and that kind of thing. So we have we're gonna have crates there turning over cows and they're going to be you know, you can you there will be talks on lameness and there'll be talks on teeth eating cows and there'll be talks on selective mastitis treatment etc and that kind of thing so that will that will really you know a, a, you know, young farmers will really like to see that happening and, and get first hand experience in terms of you know how to do those those, those skills inside the farm gate
4: if we could go on for a long time talking about the many many attractions but I would ask you again please if you don't mind Mr Jack Kennedy Deputy Editor Irish Farmers Journal, to please remind our listeners the day and date and venue for this big event and the time it starts and finishes.
0: Yes, so we're going to run on. It's, it's Tuesday, the nineteenth of November. Next Tuesday, the nineteenth of November. The gates open at uh, nine a.m. and we'll we'll stay go. will there'll be all these all these speeches and all these talks from over forty speakers and three different stages. That'll be going on for the right throughout the day, and we'll you know we'll be we'll closing up around six or seven o'clock that evening. So. It's, um, it's all systems go for next Tuesday, the 19th November, John Do you want people to so, register to give an idea of numbers? No there's no need just turn up on the day and and, and, and and farmers will have been collecting tickets in the journal there for the last the last couple of weeks. Um, or that'll be there's a lot of, of, of tickets out there in the trade for stands that are going to be over 80 exhibitors and and they all have tickets as well. so it's no it's turn up on the day and um, and we'll be able to cater for all for all the numbers. As as I said, there's plenty of complimentary tickets with all the trade stands that are there. Um, So it's it's, um, turn up on the day and and we'll look after it.
4: Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Jack Kennedy, Deputy Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Jack. Thanks a million. Thanks for that, John. A joint IFA ICOS and ICMSA delegation travelled to Cherbourg this week to meet with CAF Layerage operators, Jean de Loupigny, and the owners of the Sherbourg Layerage, Robert and Valerie Drake. The purpose of the visit was to review with operators their experience of spring 2019 and assess the feasibility of making additional capacity available for spring 2020. The Minister for Agriculture, Mr Michael Creed, announced on 15th of November the appointment of Mr Tom Arnold to chair the committee which will develop Ireland's agri-food strategy to 2030. Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association National Dairy Committee chairperson Mr Gerald Quayne has called on co-op board members meeting soon to strongly consider giving a price increase for October milk. He points to a number of factors supporting his demand, not least... The Ornua Price Index. Gerald, welcome to the programme.
5: Yes, we were we'll be very hopeful that the that at this stage would look at the costs at the farmer's side I suppose for the last month, in particular, cows have been eaten by night and even for the last quarter they've been day and night in most farms. And that's uh, what sort of, the cost has raised this time of the year and the volume decreases. So I look at cost for farmers to be able to make a, a viable living out of milking this time of the year. We do need the to, to to milk price relief. And I suppose aside, you can look at the, the factors. I said that are dictating milk price. They're positive at the moment. And they have been positive for the last two months. We just saw about the crops have had a kind of a run-in period now. And we see that um, the ono index is top to 1.5. And it has the best of the goods of Orno and products, which are selling the marketplace. And all the processors and ops will be selling into that, into Orno. So they would be getting that sort of a return from the ORNUA.
4: You refer to the ORNUA PPI for October trade. That's risen by, I believe, 1.8 points to up to 105.6 points. An increase equivalent to 0.6 cents a litre. A second increase in as many months. So
5: that's right, John. Yeah.
4: So we are talking there about a very firm foundation.
5: That's right, John. And the bar we saw and, and, uh, for a decent, the the WTO has been improving only marginally for a few months. It has improved substantially this time. And, of course, look, it's quite clear that right across the world, the picture for the area is positive. And, of course, look, we expect that positivity is reflected in the mid price for October.
4: Ongoing Brexit uncertainty has been a negative, but it has, on the other hand, given some time for Irish processors or, or new or our own sponsor, Dairy Gold Cooperative Society, to diversify away from relying 100% on the UK market for our cheddar.
5: That's right. I've also, I've also, well, we have been given over Brexit and all the the, you know, the interpretations that have been about Brexit and the situation is going to cause, and we know it will be a a difficult road to get over when it does happen. But Brexit hasn't happened yet. And I suppose none of us are sure when or if or when it will happen. And like the co ops and the process have had, had no luckily enough with the dragging out of Brexit. If it has happened the first day, it going be an awful bang for, for the farmers to get. But the fact that it is going on awful period is giving the co ops a chance to diversify. And we see good food actually are diversifying while it might be a massive diversification initially. But this diversification can grow. And suppose, look, we're also looking at a situation where, into Japan, nonetheless, there's been a European agreement between the EU and Japan. And we see there's a very solid market for cheese actually in Japan going forward. And there has been a potential increase year on year for the last two years of the farm of cheese leaving Ireland and going into Japan. And it looks like that farm will increase on an ongoing basis years ago by because there was a big demand for cheese in Japan. And we're talking about a country there, a population of hundred million plus and that's was the local markets the wealthy markets and of course the one thing Brexit has done with all its negativity and it has forced at the dairy industry and all other industries to look where there are markets As supposed probably something we should we should have been doing much sooner. Not not because Brexit was coming, just just because we were tended to be a bit over reliant on the good steady British market and like that has come will come under pressure on so solo. It brings a positive. The one positive it has is has encouraged the industry to move out into other markets and identify other markets and adjust according to these market tastes
4: over the last few years our own sponsor dairy gold cooperative society they have been developing global markets for manufacturing under license the jarlsberg uh, norwegian cheese so that's an example of a global diversification way beyond the uk market even beyond the eu markets
5: absolutely and like we see the, we we said we'd like the japanese market we, we, were, we were never in there before but look the, with the international trade agreements and as So the one thing for us that has bothered the industry and well the ICMSA as well in particular is all these trade wars. Trade wars tend to generate negativity. And an open market suits Ireland and so Irish farmers as well, because we're an exporting nation and we need kind of open and markets so as to well be to export. Again. The more trade barriers you see going up, the more difficult it is for us. And we have seen the trade barriers go up in Europe and the US over the Bombardier situation. Now, I suppose that, that will not affect prices, definitely in the short term, because most of the processes have sold forward into the U, into the US markets. And as suppose we'll be looking well into new year for anything that might happen in that line. And I suppose so by then, hopefully, the situation might have rectified itself, because the EU have uh, have got a result from the WTO on their case against the US on their subsidization at their end of the airplane markets. So we'll be hoping that that will have suffered as well by then. That's why I feel going forward, things are positive and the market looks steady and looks stable. And I think increases will be more in the norm rather than anything else.
4: Your sector, you're under pressure on a number of fronts. We have a propaganda war against milk, against dairy, against beef. Against those sectors which are very substantial pillars of the Irish economy, you have the situation of the propaganda against dairy and milk, and then you have the ongoing and perhaps even the increasing problem of bull calves born to Frisian herds. We have seen
5: fierce pressure, and the whole farming side really, beef and dairy from different groups. and if decent is that, and it's the other. but both dairy and beef. Protein is vital for the development of young people in particular, and the for all age groups, we need that protein. And the protein out there is extremely digestible, and it is a very good quality protein. And, not, and we need to emphasise that, and that's why you'll be right, and we do need to kind of curtail this negativity, the or with climate change and all the things, that are hitting us all at one time. And also the industry has to stand up and make its case that we are what we are, and what we are is good. Farmers, they're
4: being bombarded from all sides.
5: Yes, John. I think we're being seen as a, as, as an easy target by other elements within the community, based that the family, a soft target, a soft option. And I think we need to stand up and say that we we haven't necessarily the main culprits. What we're doing is definitely the best farm of protein that people could look for. And as you say, look, I would see great positivity in... China going forward both for both for the dairy side as, as power is concerned, and also for beef. As like once the the loss of beef has gone here in the next few weeks, I would see going forward in snow year that there will be increased demand for beef in the Chinese market. And I think it you know that there's, there's a good market. It's a strong market, and it has a population of people that have high income earners, and they're turning to both beef and dairy. For their protein and I think we need to be in that marketplace and that's why I think going forward I think we, we have to be positive that our our future is secure in these markets and while other markets might be creating problems but I think we have to be there to prove that we have the best protein and the best source of protein that people can consume for their for their own physical health.
4: If you were addressing the board members, what do you feel a just price would be for the co-ops to set the October milk price at, having borne in mind all the factors you've uh, pointed to there. As
5: far as, look, John, we'd be saying straight out to the co op look, there is no justification for paying anything below 30, and we'd be saying 31 will be more re- realistic at the moment if you look at all the factors outside of what they're getting, what the returns are getting to them, that they are in a are position to pay... To the producer in the region of 31 cents a litre for the month of October, they have, they've got it from the marketplace, and they're fair and reasonable. to expect them to pass it back to their producers at this period in the year.
4: Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Gerald I seem to say National Dairy Committee Chairperson and Chairman. Thank you. Joining us, Mr. Ender Maloney, B&T Drystock Advisor with the Chagask office in Percival Street, Kenturk. Ender, welcome to the programme. You have details of a number of
2: very important meetings in date order. The Cork East region are running an alumni event on Tuesday the 19th of November at 7 o'clock in the Chagask Advisory Building in Park. Speakers on the evening will be Gordon Pepperd. He's uh, going to be speaking. uh, He's a farm business structure specialist who will talk on succession and collaborative farming and options and pathways into dairy farming and land transfer. Uh, Anne Marie Butler will be there from the Ulster Bank and she'll be talking about farm business planning and applying for farm loans. Uh, There'll be a representative there from IFAC who will be giving a talk on land transfer and how to maximise release while uh, minimising tax on farms. And Liz Duffy, uh, Dairy advisor in Chagas will also be talking about uh, TAMS grants available for farmers. Uh, another Chagas event happening is a farm health and safety awareness event on uh, Wednesday the 20th of November at 2.30pm in McCrew, Mart. What's happening there is they're having a presentation on uh, basically trailer licensing and weight regulations and given that talk will be on Garda Siakana. The health and safety authority will be there and the person giving the presentation there is Dave Barry. And there'll also be um, speakers from the local Chagas office there in Macroom. Um, Another event coming up the following day then is uh, Chagas Kenturk are organising an event on winter nutrition and workload on Thursday the 21st of November at 11am on the farm of Eamon and Billy Terrence, Gertine Kenturk. Uh, The topics included that day will be on road safety for farm machinery and vehicles, this, this talk will also be given by Angerda Garda Uh There will also be topics on winter nutrition for dairy and dry stock farmers and a bit on farmyard safety and labour efficiency. It will be Chagas advisors who will be discussing the um, winter nutrition for dairy and dry stock there. And the final event then is another event on the same day, the 21st of November. It's on in Cairn Mart for Moy at half seven. And the agenda on that night will be discussed: winter feeding diets and ration formulation. It'll also, they'll also be discussing animal performance over the winter period. And there'll be a practical demonstration on the night as well. Speakers on that night will be Brendan Garry, who's a Chag's nutritionist. It'll be Alan Dillon. He's um, a beef specialist in the Cork East region. And there'll be also speakers from the Chagas Middleton office on that. You just show up on the day or the morning, it's on. There's no registration at all. No charge, no, free of charge. Thank you, Ender. Mr. Ender Maloney,
4: B&T Drystock Advisor with the Chagask office in Percival Street, Turk, full interview with Ender in this coming Wednesday evening's programme between 10pm and 11. Joining us on the programme, Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association with results from Ballyfeard and details of tomorrow Sunday's match. Welcome, Philip.
7: Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Our last match on the 10th was the Ballyfeard on the lens of Paddy and Elizabeth Harrington, we had a fantastic day. We had a brilliant size, We had good weather and we had a fine turnout. And these are the results from Ballyfield Senior Open, first, Kieran Corkley. Second, Michael Lennon; Third, John Murphy. And fourth, David Murphy. Under-28, Jamie Hayes. And under-21, James O'Sullivan. In the novice... First, Noel Neyham, second, James Jennings, and third, Sean Walsh. The farm race, one competitor there, Orle Hayes. And uh, in the vintage, two for a uh, hydraulic. First, Dennis Cummins, second, Phelan Cutter, and third, Henry McGrath. In the vintage trail, one competitor there, Leslie Wolfe, and the single for a vintage, one competitor, Trevor Fleming. The house class first JJ Delaney and second Coleman Corgan. The three for a match class first John Cahan and second Jimmy Barris. The senior reversible first Lee Modriscal, second Jeff Corkley, and third Jimmy Cutter. Beginners reversible first Charlie Dunnikan, second Kieran Tyres and third in the scooper three four for a local class first Simon Cooney and second Peter Cooney and the local ladies first Nolly Harrington now those are the results from Ballyfield last Sunday and as I said we had a fantastic day we got no rain we were finished up one way home before we got the rain and we had a fine turnout in a magnificent field size so, tomorrow, the 17th, it's our own local match, Tupper House, on the lands of Paulman Cronin and family, by their time permission. And uh, again, we would emphasize that we'd be hoping to start at 11 o'clock. Now, anybody wishing to plough tomorrow at Tupper House can give me a ring, Philip Potter, at 87 671 that's 087-671-3037. And if at all possible, get during train in by 3 o'clock today. This site is on the main Mallow to Budervan Road, just off the main Mallow to Road, up, up at Ash Cross. Uh, it will be signposted on the Dunwell Road and it will also be signposted off the main road, coming from the Budervan side and coming from the Mallow side. The weather will stay nice and free, and it's forecasted fairly good, so we're looking forward to a good day, and we have a good, very good field, and hopefully um, everything will run smoothly for us. So that's two per hour tomorrow, John 17th. Anybody wishing to take part, if they could get their entry into me today before 3 o'clock, we'd appreciate it. So we need to get going by 11 o'clock if it's all possible on tomorrow. Thanks very much, John.
4: That's Grant. Thank you very much indeed. Mr. Philip Cotter, P.R.O. for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you, Philip. Joining us on the farm programme, Mr. Richard White, P.R.O. for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Richard, you have an update on ploughing, starting with details from the AGM.
6: Uh, that's correct, John, and thank you very much. Uh, the annual general meeting of uh, Cork West Ploughing Association was held recently at Cork House, McCrome, hosted by the Macroom Club. A uh, Full review of the year's activities was done. Kieran Cohan, chairperson, congratulated the team The win Tanzania, Ireland and Carlo, where there were four first prize winners, namely Jim Grace, winner of the Intermediate Class, John Wolfe, winner of the Trailer Vintage, Nilo Driscoll, winner of the Senior Novice Class, and Paula Welsh, winner of the Tree uh, Reversible Class. Uh, the chairman thanked all the team members who took part most in being well in their respective classes. Uh, he congratulated Kieran Corkley, who won the Five Nations Championships, which was also held in Carlo in conjunction with the All Ireland. The election of officers took place, and the following officers were elected for the coming year. President Dan Driscoll, Chairperson Kieran Ciarán, Secretary Michael Welch, Vice Chairperson D.J. Courtney, Treasurer John Hurley, P.R.O. Richard White, and Facebook Officer Caroline Jennings. The fixture list for the coming year was then decided and is as follows. McCroom, the 5th of January. Bandon, the 12th of January. Kilty, the 19th of January. Kilmeen, the 26th of January. Caramore, the 2nd of February. Tim League, the 9th of February. Tricock, the 16th of February. And Kimberton, who will be holding the county championships, will be the 23rd of February. I suppose all all weather permitting it at this stage. Um, now, Cork West Brown Association is holding a novice match on tomorrow Sunday, November the 17th at Cachillis, on the lands of Tom and Elizabeth Nuhin, uh, by their kind permission, at 11.30 sharp. And the uh, classes in the two for a conventional and the standard reversible. And um, all inquiries to the county secretary on 086-822-5007. That's uh, 086-822-5007 and it's tomorrow, Sunday, November 17th, 1130 sharp.
4: Mr Richard White, Piro Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you, Richard, and let's hope it turns out to be a good match. Thank you very much,
6: Richard. Yes, thank you very much, John.
4: Miss Helena Sullivan, Secretary of the Cork Branch of the Beef Plan Movement, has details of a forthcoming meeting taking place in Dunmanway concerning the beef producer groups just recently organised. Helen, welcome to the programme. Yes, the
8: beef movement meeting will be held this coming Thursday in the Parkway Hotel in the Manway the 21st of November at 8pm sharp and what will be discussed there John will be um, what happened at the talks, uh, on the 15th of September um, and also we will be discussing the two producer groups uh, that have been approved since then and how they can help us in achieving a better price for our cattle we'll also have a Magella O'Neill who will give us a talk on the benefits of grass-fed beef um, in compared to the uh, factory feedlots beef. So she'll give us a comparison on both of those. And there will also be other guest speakers there on the night covering a range of topics. I would recommend all farmers to attend if they can, as it will be a very informative night. The Beef Plan Movement Meeting will be held in the Parkway Hotel this coming Thursday, the 21st of November, in the Manway, at 8pm
4: sharp. Thank you, Helen. Miss Helen O'Sullivan, Secretary of the Cork Branch of the Beef Plan Movement. A longer interview with Helen in the midweek edition of the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme this coming Wednesday evening between 10pm and 11pm. Mr. Tyg Dooley, General Manager, Forestry Services Limited, FSL, invites inquiries from existing forestry owners growing any particular type of forestry, to contact his organisation if they wish to obtain official certification for their product and boost the price they obtain when it's sold.
3: We're the first private forestry company in Ireland to achieve dual certification in forest management. Um, Quiltia, the state body, have had certification for uh, a last number of years, 10, 12 years. And uh, what certification is, is uh, showing that you're managing your forestry, uh, sustainably under the economic factors, under environmental factors, and under social factors. Um, what it brings to a landowner is that uh, it, it opens up markets for them. Uh, basically, in Ireland, at the moment, uh, if a sawmill uh, is taking in timber, 70% of their timber has to be certified timber, which is coming from Quielsa, uh as it is as the largest provider of timber. Um, but these things are factors are changing in, in the country because there's a huge amount of private timber coming into the market. And for the sawmills to be able to have 70% certified timber uh, in the near future, they're going to need that private forest owners are certified also. So, what you will see in the next few years, and it's nearly happening at the moment, is that mills won't be able to take in uncertified timber. So it's opening up the market to private forest owners.
4: Which certification bodies are
3: you talking about, TIG? There's two different certification bodies, uh, PEFC and FSC. And uh, you could notice when you go to your local hardware store that timber has got the stamp of either of the certification bodies. This is showing that this timber has come from a, a sustainably managed forest that there is a record to show that it has been uh, um, managed correctly and that there's a proper chain of custody from the owner through to you, the, the purchaser.
4: To tell our listeners what those initials stand for, the FSC and the PEFC, which I understand are trademarked initials.
3: Forestry Stewardship Council is the FSC, and the PEFC is the Protection of Environmental Forestry accreditation.
4: We are addressing existing forestry owners. Are you referring to any existing forestry owner, be it deciduous forest, broadleaves, or pine forest?
3: Any owner that is interested in getting certification, uh, either be a broadleaf forest or a, a, a Sitka spruce forest, uh, certification is open to all. Um, as a part of certification, which would be um, doing up management plans and uh, doing plans for the next short term five years and then 10 years and then a longer term plan for 20 years part of that would be the replanting of that site and in certification it would be encouraged or as part of the principles that you would be looking at increasing biodiversity and increasing the broadleaf in your replanting program if it was a monoculture of sitka spruce uh, all looking to benefit the environment
4: How would people listening, how would existing forestry owners listening make contact with you and discuss further the points you've mentioned in our conversation up to now?
3: Um, The best way to get in contact with us would be probably through our website, uh, forestryservices.ie. And we have a dedicated uh, email address set up for certification. It's uh, certification at forestryservices.ie. We have an office based in Kilkenny as our head office, but we're based, we're, we're 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 countrywide, and uh, we have uh, eight, to, eight to nine foresters based throughout the country.
4: So you are saying that you welcome calls, you welcome inquiries from existing forestry owners, whether they are Sitka spruce uh, forests, a monoculture type of forest, or deciduous forests, uh, broadleaf forests. You welcome inquiries from all existing forestry owners, and you will point out to them the value of the certification which you can provide to them, provided they measure up. So all existing forestry owners, regardless of the type of trees they're growing?
3: That is correct. Uh, We welcome calls from anybody, and what we can do is uh, organise a site visit to assess the site and uh, guide them in the right direction if they want to proceed with certification.
4: Now, the forestry which Ireland produces, the trees which we produce in Ireland, where would the main markets for that be in what would some of the main key products be that Irish forestry timber would be used for?
3: Well, the main market for lumber in Ireland is actually uh, the UK and abroad, uh, and they are very keen over there on certified timber. Um, the, the roughly 80% of uh, lumber uh, is, is uh, sent to England, um so obviously it's a huge market um you're anywhere from your um saw log uh which would be making up your, your 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 timber for construction right through to pallets um and fencing uh you have every everything you can imagine out of it and then you've got your mdf boards uh that you'd see on construction sites and uh for um making um cabinets and so forth
4: some of the huge uh Customers there for forestry products, not just in Europe, but right around the globe.
3: Yes, correct. You've got uh, any of the large, huge companies. You, like, for example, you've got the likes of Woodies, uh, etc., that are all consumer-led, and it's the consumers that are coming to them looking for certified timber, and that's what is driving the whole uh, initiative with certification. It's uh, it's it's a it's a, it's a world-based. Uh, uh, consumer consumer driven uh, market, and that's what uh, people are looking for.
4: The Amazonian forests are being burned down we see fire damage to trees in Australia, trees in America and California. so in actual fact, uh, people in Ireland, existing forest owners, they could be the owners of an extremely valuable and increasingly rare resource, bearing in mind how long it would take a tree to grow. We've seen in Germany, vast amounts of forests are just dying away for whatever reason. People in Ireland, we have an extremely valuable resource, and if it's certified, well then you're guaranteeing that person they'll get the very best deal for their timber, and they won't be giving it away for less than its value.
3: Correct. You've mentioned there about Germany, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's what's causing the problem over there is actually a beetle uh, that's destroying the the, the pine and spruce trees there. Um, And in the Amazon, it's illegal felling. This is what certification is all about, to stop this sort of thing going on. Uh, In Ireland, we've already got very strict rules and regulations on felling and uh, need uh, approvals for planting. And probably the standard here is very high to start with. Uh, But certification gives the consumer that added uh, assurance that what they are buying is uh, sustainably managed. And for having certification, it has to add benefits to the forest owner.
4: People in Ireland would have seen on TV through the France 24, the beetle, the damage being caused by those beetles to German forests. And uh, in Ireland, with our strict controls, we'll have uh, top quality wood. Could I ask you, Tig, to give our listeners some further details regarding websites and your email address, maybe even a phone number. So how can existing forestry owners contact you for certification inquiries?
3: Anyone is interested, uh, our, our email address uh, for certification is certification at forestryservices.ie. Our website is uh, forestryservices.ie. And uh, if anyone is interested in calling uh, about certification, I'll give you my own mobile number. It's 87 zero eight seven. 7773698 you are
4: addressing your comments to existing forestry owners you're offering them potential certification if their forests measure up and in that way they can be assured of getting maximum price for the timber So any other comments you feel might encourage people to consider going for certification if they have forests, but they're not properly certified and they want to make sure they can gain access to markets, not be barred because they don't have certification?
3: But certification is something that is going to be required in the market. Without certification, you're going to limit your ability to sell timber. You probably will sell it, but you won't be able to sell it maybe at the time you want or at the price you want. So certification is giving you uh, assurances um, that you'll have a, a market for your timber and and hopefully a future higher price for your timber also.
4: One big market for Irish timber is the UK and the Soil Association, they're a UK body, but they have given fulsome congratulations to you following you
3: getting the uh, double certification. The Soil Association are the body that come and assess for the certification with the PEFC and and, uh, FSC. And the soil association have uh, given us very high recommendations and we we thank them very much for that uh, in regards to um, being the first private company uh, in Ireland to get the dual certification in forest management. They're a UK-based company, but they do uh, accreditation for the certification all over the world. We have been building up to this point of getting the dual certification for the last two years. There's a huge amount of work has to go in to show that the company uh, can adhere and meet the standards of certification. And as you said, the Style Association have very strict uh, principles and guidelines that have to be followed.
4: Speaking to Mr. Tig Dooley, Forestry Services Limited General Manager. One last time, Tig, you might please give our listeners a phone number, a website or other details where forestry owners, existing forestry owners, can contact you for your certification inquiries.
3: Uh, our website is forestryservices.ie uh, Our email address is uh, certification at forestry services.ie and you can get in contact with me, myself, Tyke Dooley, at 087 777 3698.
4: Thank you very much indeed, Mr Tyke Dooley, FSL General Manager. Thank you, Tyke, very much indeed for your patience and your valuable time. Thanks a yes, million. Thank
3: you. I enjoyed that. Thank you very much.
4: And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls and to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. Next Farm Talk scheduled for this coming Wednesday evening. Between 10 p.m. and 11. Thanks for listening.
0: Dairy Gold Agri, your solution to all your farm needs.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh.